Welcome to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with Katherine Potter. Are you ready to deep dive into a better understanding of how your mind, body, and relationships to everything else in your world come together? For the next hour, we invite you to embark on a journey of discovery and connections. Now, here's your host, Katherine Potter. Hi everyone, my name is Katherine Potter and I'd like to welcome you to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. Each week we explore topics that support the idea that everyone and everything is interconnected and in relationship. Today we are going to delve into the spiritual realms. When we talk about being spiritual or exploring spirituality, the question that arises is who am I? Am I more than the person that exists in this lifetime? And if I am more, how can I connect to an eternal, expanded me that exists in the unseen, unmanifest realm? As those questions arise and we begin to get involved with practices that connect us to an older, eternal energy, we realize that not only is there an expanded version of ourselves that exists, otherwise known as our soul, but there is a collective interwoven soul. At that point, if we can hold a holistic perspective, language fails us, and we begin to have an experience of an interwoven, ancient, creative source of energy. The many individual eyes connect and we become one. In the past, this type of exploration has usually been made by philosophers or those on a religious path, and the masses were guided by religious leaders. However, today, people from all walks of life have become interested in walking and exploring the spiritual path. So what does that mean for organized religions? Let's ask today's guest, who is Doris Kieser, a doctor, a professor of ethics and theology, a feminist. She's also an author of the book, Catholic Sexual Theology and Adolescent Girls. Welcome, Doris. Thank you, Catherine. Lovely to be here. Yeah. So let's just get right into it. And can you tell us first, as a start, about your educational journey? Right. I'm a bit of a unicorn in the academic realm. I have an undergraduate degree in English literature, an undergraduate degree in German language and literature. I have a master's degree in theology. I have a master's degree in counseling psychology, and I have a PhD in education, and bas- which was basically me bringing all of that stuff together in order to do some doctoral work. So it's been my formal education has been really unusual for someone who is working in the academy. Stay tuned, and we'll be back with Dr. Doris Kieser. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Katherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to katherinepotter.ca. That's katherinepotter.ca. 
a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit CatherinePotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit CatherinePotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now, back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hi, Doris. You were talking about why you chose those particular um, fields to study. Yeah, well, when I first started in university, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I took courses from just about anything that interested me. And I wound up managing to have enough courses in English literature to get a degree. Then I had more courses in German language and literature, and then a lot of philosophy. So those were kind of things that I really enjoyed. But then when I started my master's degree, I, I was quite interested in the theology stuff. I had done some courses as an undergraduate, very interesting. And I thought, well, I'm just going to do a master's degree, see what happens. And uh, and I wound up there really very, very enlightened about some of the stuff that I was interested in learning, but also about myself. And then I thought, what a nice compliment to do something having to do with psychology. So the counseling psychology degree really fit together nicely with the theology in the spirituality mm-hmm. and then when I did my PhD in education they were really happy for me to be working I was I had done a lot of work with adolescent girls and so they were really happy for me to be working crossing over the theology and the psychology as it had to do with adolescent girls because I was in secondary education where they teach sort of um, the junior high senior high stream so it fit there um, which is a very strange thing but um, yeah they were all really interesting to me just as a person and trying to figure out how they all work together interesting so you identify as feminist yes can I you do. tell me what, what that means to you because we often use the word I'm a feminist and different people like any word we have a different association for it yeah. so what does that mean to you My interpretation of feminist has to do with the ways in which we understand women and particularly other vulnerable people as well as historically having been marginalized from some of the big conversations in the world. And so as a feminist in my own field, I look at things through that lens and try and think about what are ways of making the world more equitable 
for not just women, anybody who is marginalized that has the same sort of negative impacts as women do, children, um, people from minority groups, uh, people who are in living in poverty, any of any groups that can be easily marginalized in a mainstream society, I think as a feminist person, I need to be concerned about them. And that's sort of where my stance is. But first of all, it comes from, you know, being female and recognizing, hey, wait a second, some of the things those guys are doing, I don't get to do. (laughs) This is not working out so well, right? No, no, this is not my happy place. So it sort of started there, yeah. So it's interesting, right? Because as we talk more about feminism, what we're really talking about is gender equality. And and it's not just about women making changes, it's about men making changes Absolutely, too. Yeah. And of course, the impact that has on business, that it has on economy, that it has on our children, yeah, right? Yeah. And future generations. What do you what do you think about that? I, I think so. This morning I was reading an article that went back to um, the University of Toronto and when they started to allow women to study um, integrated with men at, at the university. And the president of the university had said, well, you know, one of the things that we've noticed is the more we integrate women into studies with men, the higher the quality of the scholarship that they're doing. And I thought, wow, it's so, so surprising what you do and what happens when you throw women into the mix. And so for me, that was a really interesting sort of recognition of the ways in which when we're inclusive of people that perhaps we historically have been exclusive of, our world becomes richer, not poorer. Well, we have a, a exactly, it becomes richer we have a broader perspective, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it changes everything, right? Yeah. So yeah. women in politics, everything. It's Absolutely. changing it, but we're going through the growing pains for sure of yeah. what that looks like when an excluded group now is more included and how it takes time and probably generations for us to so. see, you know, where it becomes just a, not an issue anymore, but uh, it just is life. That's the way it is. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we're there yet. We're getting there. We're a couple of generations more, right, to do it. So, um, typically, in my mind, I am not going to put the word feminist and Catholic together. Right. So, <laughs> so, and that just might be that I'm being small-minded, but they don't usually go that, that well together. So tell me what that looks like, because that's a big leap right. to be a feminist and to be teaching. Actually, you teach, if I'm not mistaken, in a Catholic college or yes. university, rather. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, I'm at a Catholic college in the midst of a secular university, right? So yes. there's a really interesting tension between the Catholic and then the broader university culture. Yes. And then as a feminist, it's true. I think a lot of people think, how does that work, feminist and Catholic? But as it happens, there are actually a lot of feminist women in um, in theology, the field that I'm working in, who are asking questions uh, around the history and the traditions of the church, but also around the ways in which we read scripture and the ways that impacts how we see women and how scripture was written and interpreted over the years and who was doing the interpretation and how it's important for women to get into those stories 
and really think about if I'm a woman reading this, what does it sound like? Does it sound the same as if I'm a man reading this? And so there are some stories where you think, wow, you know, there's Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain um, to be sacrificed because God asked him to. And there's poor old Sarah over there who was 100 when she gave birth thinking, what are you doing? That's my son. <laughs> um, and, and you think, wow, like that's the perspective we haven't really thought about. What's it like to be a mother and to have that kind of um, confrontation with your husband around what God is telling your husband to do, right? So how, when we read those stories, what does it say if I'm a woman reading them is it different than if I'm a man or you know yes and typically is it fair to say these stories were interpreted by men Mm -hmm. yeah and so therefore would have a very different slant and by men saying that God talked to me about this yes and therefore um, I somehow think and we'll get into what our idea of God is later because yeah. that's just the kind of show we're having today. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> um, but somehow I think God would be talking different to me because as a woman, and like you said, with a child, I'd be saying, no, 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 this does not make sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And no, you cannot. And this does not say this to me. Right. Is that fair to say? I that a lot of this so. was interpreted by men, first off. Right. And, and what would have been the word of God sometimes was the word of man. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, especially when you look at the ways in which people actually understand scripture. There are many ways of interpreting it. Some people take it very, very literally in the entire Bible. I don't, and I don't think that would be typical for the Catholic tradition to say every word of that is the literal word of God. So in the Catholic realm, we don't have much difficulty reconciling evolution and creation. That's not a question for us. It is for some other Mm -hmm. Christian traditions. So how you think about the Bible, how you read it, and if I'm a woman reading it then, and all the men historically have been the ones interpreting it, now I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, those are stories that we've heard about the relationship of people with God, right? In the early days in the the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish people with God, and then in the Christian scriptures, the Christian community with God. And so then, well, what does that mean when I look at that and say, yeah, they're really trying to make sense of this. They're not telling us word for word. Nobody was running around with a video recorder going, oh, yes, this is exactly what happened at the time. So there's interpretation built into the scriptures and the stories, and then the interpretation on top of that, very culturally based. So I think when the culture is a male hierarchical culture, the interpretation is going to follow. And when the culture becomes less of that, when you know everybody gets involved in, in interpreting those stories, it looks different. And I think as a feminist person, my job is to say, well, then what does that mean for today, right? Not just what does the scripture say, but then how do we interpret that today? Okay. So I really like what you're saying because I think, I don't care if it's esoteric teachings or, or which of course are also religious teachings, but from what field um, a person or perspective a person's coming from, we always need to reframe based on the society we're in, the time frame we're in, right? So you're like 
a really well-educated, very intelligent woman. Um, you understand how to do this. But how do you get, and I can only, you know, we can only speak about the Catholic religion because that's the, right? But mm-hmm. how do we get that structure to change so that people don't feel that they have to leave it, right? Because, you know, the bottom line is some people like um, that community, right? And yeah. they like the group to be with. Yeah. So how how does it change? Because for most part, it's, you know, and I say carefully um, that it's it doesn't seem to be. Maybe there's things, changes going on behind the scenes, but it doesn't seem current. It doesn't seem right. even friendly to um, women. Yeah. So... Yeah. yeah. No, I think big that's question. A, uh, long okay. question. <laughs> it is a big question. Uh, Thirty seconds or less. Um, no. I think one of the things that is difficult as a woman is not. I don't think I can reconcile in for myself the way the current structure of the church is, and myself as a woman. I recognize that the the structure is the structure as it is. I'm not going to be in that hierarchical structure. And I've sort of, for myself, I've let go of that. I know that there are other women who want to be priests, who want to get into that structure. I don't. It's messy. It doesn't seem inviting for anyone, frankly. Um, and it's it spent a lot of time working through its own um, desire for power. So there's lots of a, a lot of that going on in there, and I'm not interested in that personally. I am interested in the community and the story, and the the sacramental ways in which we really try and recognize the movement of grace in the world. So for me, that notion of loving and really extravagantly loving one another is the thing that makes the community rich, not the hierarchy. Having said that, I I know that the hierarchy itself and the structure of the church, it moves like an iceberg. And uh, would I love to see more diversity and more inclusion and more breadth of vision in the hierarchy? Yeah, I would. Um, will that happen in my lifetime? Probably not. I, I, I can't see it. I, you know, I'm not waiting for it. I'm just doing my thing. I'm part of what's important for me is I know when I was a young person studying, I had very few female teachers. Mm. And I thought, you know, I want to be that. I want to be that for the women who are in the church and coming up through the church. And they want to see women doing things that are important in the life of the church. So I want to be teaching them because they need to see that women can do this and are doing it. And so that's part of my passion about the teaching and the working in a university setting is I don't want other people to look and think that women are marginalized in that sense. I can do it. Other women can do it. Other women are doing it. Wow. That's so interestingly enough, you are exactly the sort of person be male or female, but you're the type of person that we do need in the church. You are the type of person that will allow the church to evolve and make it a welcoming place for people to go back to, so to have that sense of community. I hope so. I hope so. That's what I'm. That that's sort of my long game is to really um, 
open people up to the different possibilities of what it means to be a person who has some background, some knowledge, some wisdom to offer to young people who is not necessarily what they might have anticipated when they walked in the door. Very nice. I love it. So, um, now you, if, if, if I'm correct, you were um, born into a Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Your family are practicing Catholics. Yeah. And would you consider yourself a... Um, a practicing Catholic? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I might not, other people might not consider me a practicing Catholic, but I do consider myself uh, practicing. And and it's been an interesting thing. Staying in the tradition has a lot to do with not really thinking. I mean, I look around and I'm very open to spiritualities that are not out of the Christian tradition um, and ways of being in the world. Um I like the community, and I also don't know that there's anywhere else I would rather go, right? Like, if I became a Buddhist, I would be a Catholic Buddhist, because it's in my bones now. Do you know what I mean? So I don't see myself as switching out of a religion um, to something else. Um, And what I know about my Catholic history, I really love. So... Which is fair. Yeah. So tell me what being a Catholic gives you. I think, I think I'm, I, and, and so like I hear what you're saying. Um, is it the, so it's the tradition. It's the richness of the teachings is what mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? Well, I, as a spiritual religious tradition, one of the things that I have taken out of the Catholic faith and the Christian faith in general is this um, real desire for mercy and compassion and this is something that Pope Francis has started to be very um, vocal about or has been very vocal about the idea that loving and grace is more important than judging and orthodoxy and for me that's what makes a church is when you open your doors and anybody who wants to walks in the door and you say hello seats have a nice day you know whatever and there you you give them to be safe and spiritually awakened in some way or another and I like about the Catholic tradition too is it's very aesthetically pleasing (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot of inviting all of the senses into your faith experience Mm -hmm. and for me that's a very embodied reality so let's let's actually go here for a moment because I think that's quite important and um, it's rich it's rich in ritual is what I would say so when you talk about embodiment and aesthetically appealing um, you know I remember as a child going to church and I love the I loved the rituals I loved the beautiful I'm going to call them costumes and I loved the smell of the incense and it grounds it in in a different level and I know when people are exploring spirituality outside Mm -hmm. of organized religions that can be missing and we need to realize that there needs to be a specialness to it because basically I would think, and I'll, I'll look for your opinion on this, that it's basically saying we're going from our we're washing the dishes space and now we're 
here. Yeah. And and we're bringing our attention to this. Is that fair to say? I think so. I think so. Um, especially in the Catholic tradition, other traditions as well, but the Catholic tradition really stayed focused after the Reformation on things like statues and stained glass windows and music and incense and all of the things that invite all of the senses to participate. Some of the other churches didn't do that as much, at least as much. And so um, for me, it's quite it's quite important. And that's a, that's a particular kind of sacred space. And, and the ritual there is one, I think what I like about those large rituals is that the potential to bring so many people together in that ritual moment. So you have the opportunity to experience something as a community as opposed to on your own at home. There's nothing wrong with that. And I obviously participate in that myself. But that particular space is really um, is really quite lovely can be really quite lovely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I loved what you were talking about about being inclusive and that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether you're agnostic whatever you know whether you practice on your own whether you've no, never been to a church but really what is you're trying to say is come in let's share a little love let's be safe Let's realize beyond our labels that we're human, right? Yeah, and yeah. and to practice something. I think that's quite beautiful. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, we're talking we're talking to Dr. Doris Kieser, who is a professor of theology and ethics at St. Joseph College, and she's been talking about how she is a feminist. In the Catholic Church. And it's just fascinating what you're telling us. So, you are also a counselor. Yeah. And um, and a counselor, I, I just want to make sure, not associated with the church. You have a practice, you have a counseling practice right. outside. Outside of the church, yeah. I work in, a, in, a, in an agency in Edmonton. And I, I only work one day a week. So, I have a full slate of clients. One day a week, I'm in there and I see clients all day. Okay, and are are there particular cl- clients that you specialize with? I have. I, I see a lot of different people. I historically worked a lot with adolescent girls, um, and I sort of fell into that. Nobody else really wanted to do it. Everyone's oh, they're so difficult. But I don't find them difficult. I didn't. I I, um, I quite enjoyed it. And it was really interesting to be a part of a, a world that I once inhabited, but no longer did. And to, to look at how their adolescence is so different from my own. Um, I don't see as many adolescent girls now. I still do. I see, um, I see a lot of individual clients, both males and females, and people who are transitioning. I see... Um, uh, I see some couples. I don't work with kids, mostly because I think that is something that you have to have a gift for that. Okay. So, Doris, we're going to take a short break, and I'd like to hear a little bit more when we come back about your counseling practice. Great. And so uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back with Dr. Doris Kieser. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? 
Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Katherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to katherinepotter.ca. That's katherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit CatherinePotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit CatherinePotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hi, welcome back. It's Katherine Potter. You're listening to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. And I'm speaking to Doris Kieser, who is a professor of ethics and theology at a Catholic college and who also has a practice, a counseling practice. And we're just going to hear a little bit more about her counseling practice. And how does your counseling work fit with theology? Yeah, I mean, when I started to study the counseling I don't know that I saw the fit at the beginning. And what I realized was they're both really about soul work, about what what are people searching for? What are people hoping to heal? Sometimes that's spiritual and sometimes that's psychological and sometimes it's both together. And in my practice, if people want to work with both of those together, I'm very very comfortable doing that. Um, Not everybody does. In fact, most people probably don't, but... I'm happy to bring those together. But really what I've noticed is um, people come sometimes into a psychological counseling practice uh, for help when what they're, they're really kind of soul sick. They really don't have a sense of where they are themselves um, in the broader sense of the universe. That's not always the case. And it's the same when people study theology. They're trying to, they're trying to figure out, you know, I know that there's this thing for me that's not quite working right and I want to get them. And sometimes that's a psychological thing, but it's still soul work. Um, so I don't, I don't counsel my students. I don't do any of that in the class. But certainly a lot of what I've learned through my counseling pro- process and the studying that I've done makes its way into the classroom as a way of bolstering the stuff that I'm doing, in particular interpersonal stuff when I'm working on sexualities and, um, you know, relationships and stuff like that. A lot of it makes its way in there. But then a lot of the theology and the spirituality makes its way into the counseling practice when that's what people are looking for. 
So you talk about um, sexuality, and so when you're talking about it in connection to your counseling practice, are you talking about gender issues? Are you talking about, like, can you just clarify how you mean that? Right. So probably sexuality in its very broadest sense. So there might be gender issues. There might be personal, I don't know exactly where I fit as a gendered person, as a sexed person. There might be, okay, I'm living this life and I like it, but I'm not sure what that means. Like I'm, I've been told this is what it means to be female. I don't feel like that. I am female, but I don't want to live the way everyone's telling me how to live. I want to be female in a very different way. And for some people, there's a real conflict. And that sometimes comes out of religion, especially, for instance, for females who are being told, you know, be at home, be a submissive wife, you know, um, husband is the is the head of the household. And for some people, they're really struggling with those kinds of ideas where they're trying to turn themselves into what they understand themselves more to be so that they don't feel constrained by what other people thinks it me think it means to be male or female um so there's a little bit of that there's a little bit of you know we're just not having enough sex in our relationship how do we fix that um and what are the underlying issues so when we when i'm dealing with sexuality it can be you know it can cover a gamut of issues oh big topic yes <laughs> Such a big topic. I, I love it. I, I love uh, where you're coming with it. So when does it become a conflict with you? So, for example, if somebody comes to you and they're talking about birth control or abortion mm-hmm. or um, that they are lesbian or gay, those are not things that typically are conversations that people can have in the Catholic Church. Right. And and I know that that's not, I know that there are priests and people who would be open to that, but typically, right, that's, those are the unspoken things. Right. So, <laughs> um, how do you hold that place of yeah. being a counselor and being open to really hearing people and, and also being involved in uh, the Catholic Church, which is not okay right. with those things. I know that's a big topic, but right. it's an important topic. And I bet you, you know, a lot of people listening are probably thinking, I want to know that because people have left the church because of that. And yeah. I have come across in my own counseling practice with people, I have come across people who really would like to be able to go back to church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They want that community. So, so Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's part of where the separation comes in. So when I'm counseling, I'm counseling and it's not my place when people come in the door to judge where they're at. It's my place to sort of be open to where they're at. And then it's, it's what they're interested in working on. It's what their problems are that are what I'm working with. I'm not telling them, you know, don't do this, don't do that. That's not my job at all. My job is to really hold that space for them, for it to be a safe place, to work towards some sense of a a really healthy understanding of themselves. And sometimes, you know, the issues come up. I'm not going to judge around what you have done, what you're thinking about doing, or what you might do in the future. I can't judge you 
about that. I can help you choose ways, um, strategize with you about how to choose healthy things for yourself. But I'm not going to judge people about whether or not they're using birth control. I'm not going to judge people about whether or not they've had an abortion or they're thinking about an abortion because at that point, whatever the church is doing over here is not what I'm doing in the room. Right. I'm not at that moment. I'm not a counselor for the Catholic Church. I am a counselor. And my job in that moment is to hear where people are and to keep that space safe. So I'm, I'm, I'm not judging in any in any way, shape or form. Um, and if someone asks me, I'll tell them what the church is going to teach about that. And I'm happy to share that. And I will always be truthful and honest about that. But I'm not going to tell people so there, now you know, that's the right thing. Right? That's the way to live. And yeah, yeah. You, you, every person is a thinking person and mm-hmm. and has life experiences that I may not know about. And so in all of that space, I can't say to them, you're wrong for this. I might not agree with it. I might agree with it. I might think that was the best choice. I might not think that was the best choice. But at the moment... I'm holding the space of this is the choice that you made. Whether or not that was a good choice for you is up to you. If if it's hard for you, then let's work through it. If you're fine with it, then let's not work through it, right? If there are other things that are more important for you to work through, let's work through those. So everything you just said is the ideal version of the way a counselor should be. Well, <laughs> it's it's like holding a holding a safe, sacred space for people to open up in, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really make a difference your personal uh, belief. Right, you're there to help them come to the healthiest, yeah, whole place they can possibly come yeah. to. Right, I, I want them to flourish. Yes, and for a lot of people who walk in the door, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. Um, they've had the judgment. They've been told what's right or wrong, and um, that hasn't helped. It hasn't helped. And they're not going to flourish by me continuing to harp on about something like that. Um, so generally, it doesn't matter what I believe. I mean, it does matter to me, obviously, but I'm not going to say to someone, um, yes, you have to give up those birth control pills. I don't even believe that that's necessarily true. <laughs> so so whatever the case is, it's their it's their world and the flourishing comes from how they're going to navigate that world based on what they value and what they believe. Hmm, very nice. So uh, how are you accepted then in the church? I I mean I I think people would flock to the church if they had you or somebody like you, right. holding that loving, non-judgmental place and really letting the conversation be about spirituality and not a lot of, and when I say man-made laws, man, woman, I'm, I'm saying that in human-made laws, right? right? Um, but but your beliefs and, and your perspective obviously is not always going to be accepted by your fellow uh, churchy people. <laughs> <laughs> that was Doris who said that, not yes, me. I just that. Um, 
by your fellow church members or your the people in authority, your bosses, right. and um, so wow. What has that been like for you? Well, I I mean, I think the theology, the theology piece is, theology is not the same as apologetics. I'm, when I'm doing theology, I'm really trying to work at what does this actually mean? And as we move through society, can the way that we look at some of these issues change? And of course, I believe that it can. Some people don't, and, and I understand that perspective. It's not mine, but some people don't, but I think over the course of history, the Catholic Church has changed an awful lot, and some people um, are not interested in knowing that, right? They believe that things are static, not dynamic. I'm more of the dynamic. So on the theology front, I just work in the space that says theology is an ongoing exploration of truth, and that's what we're trying to do in the Christian tradition, in the Catholic tradition, whatever. It's not a deposit that you have, and it revelation didn't stop at the end of the Bible. So we're constantly, the divine is constantly being revealed over the course of human history. It doesn't stop when you say, well, okay, there's the last book of Revelation and now there's nothing else. I just don't believe that to be true. Otherwise, why are we doing what we're doing um, with science, with everything? So I believe all of what we're knowing in the world, not just spiritually, but in all realms, is relevant to how we see ourselves in relationship with God. And so we have to tap into that in ways that make sense for the world we live in, right? So 500 years after Galileo, the church said, yeah, maybe he was right. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. And, and there's a sense that the openness to science and whatnot, there are limitations around that, but we have to engage that if we're going to be relevant. And so for me, that's how I do it. I know that there are people who don't, are definitely not on the same page as I am in terms of theology, and I respect that. I, you don't have to agree with me, um, or the work that I do. I, I just that, that's fair enough. But I think I'm what the work that I am doing is squarely within the Catholic theological tradition. I'm um, I'm not, in fact, misrepresenting anything that the Church teaches. I'm asking questions about what that means. Well, because. Really, the church is teaching, in in theory, right? That we're talking again about um, the eternal self. We're talking about soul. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the idea of God, yeah, um, and what that looks like, and what that looks like for everybody, yeah, right. And so I think that would be uh, an interesting place to explore, right? Yeah, um, we're going to be going to commercial soon, but. Before we do, I I just want to, uh, you know, put that to you, you know, about what is your idea of God and what is your idea of soul? Because I know when I was a child, we were taught that soul is this little thing that lived inside of me. And part of my uh, growth has been to, when looking at it, think, oh, you know, I don't have a soul, but a soul has me, which repositions it and makes it a much broader idea. And then we're looking at, uh, oh, okay, there's little me, and then there is something much vaster for me to tap into, which, again, we're talking about just even looking at our personal soul. So what yeah. does that look like when we connect all of that and start talking about what's the idea of God? 
So uh, we are going to head to break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to um, Doris. And we're going to be talking about... uh, soul and god we're just opening up this whole (laughs) this whole conversation and we're going to talk about the big things so we are heading out now you're listening to you the universe the holistic mind and stay tuned as we begin the conversation about god and soul Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Catherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to catherinepotter.ca. That's catherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit CatherinePotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit CatherinePotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now, back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Welcome back. It's Catherine Potter, the host of You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind, and I'm speaking with Doris Kieser, who is a professor of ethics and theology, and we've just been going to so many interesting places. And so, Doris, um, we were just finished. We just finished talking about God and soul, and those are, you know, big ideas and people you know will fight about them and they will kill for their version of it and um so let's just i'd be very curious to know first off what do you mean when you're talking about soul when i'm talking about soul hmm that's a good question actually jeepers um (laughs) when i'm talking about soul i think what i'm talking about is the capacity for every person um to connect to something that is not just about themselves and that that there's this i'll use the word divine there's this divine sense of um our our being bigger than just 
this moment in the world. And in connecting, because I come out of the Catholic Christian tradition, you connect to God. And in connecting to God, or however you understand that, you connect to everyone else. And so your soul is of a piece with, it's your own, it's it's who you are, it's a part of you, but it's not limited to that. It is what sort of pulls us into this human community and then broadly, more broadly into the sort of divine space. So it's uh, it's about who we are while we're here, but also who we are, you know, in the broader sense of our our, our time on the planet. Not Is there something beyond? Yeah. Are we yeah. like not that personality, but is there something that exists beyond? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I'm going to ask for your definition of God. And I just want to say, I've often thought, because I hear people define God still in a way of, you know, it's this white-haired old guy that sits in, in the sky and, you know, and that's fine. Um, it's not my definition, but I've often thought I would love to go around the world. And when people are talking about God, I'd like to say to them, and tell me what you mean by that. Right. So I'd be very curious to know what you mean right? when you use the word God. <laughs> <laughs> when I use the word God, I don't typically think of the Michelangelo um, God on a throne or God's hand extended out as a personification of a white man with the big beard who's very old. Um, I think of God much more broadly. I think God, if we think of God in the traditional Christian sense, it's like all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. I tend personally to focus more on the all-loving and the compassion and mercy and grace that flows out of that. So for me, encountering God, for most of us, I think it's first and foremost in other people. That's where we meet God for the first time when we see them. And there's this moment where you realize, I couldn't, I couldn't understand this from any intellectual way I know. I couldn't understand this moment of love. Um, intellectually, like there's just I couldn't, but it's there. It is, and it's beyond anything I could imagine. And I, I think that's where I think about grace and love and the sort of movement of God through the human community. Um, and so, God to me is, you know, in the Trinitarian sense, we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can talk about that as, you know, the parent, the child, and the Holy Spirit. However, you want to view that. Um, but the idea that God, at the end of the day, is going to be loving. And that's what we tap into as a human community. Those are the things that we're able most profoundly to see God in. Um, so that, and, and then the created world. So what we know about what's happening in the world. How do you, you know, when you walk through a forest and you're in awe at the ecosystem there, Where does what does that mean to you? And so it's not God, the person who just came in and said, oh, there's the earth. It's the constant um, capacity for the earth to recreate itself and, and for us to be a part of that and to connect into that. Um, and that's part of the loving aspect of it. 
So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're talking about, I mean, I think it's hard as as humans for us not to try and give a human face to God, but you're talking about the force that connects everything and creates everything. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about all species, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking beyond the earth. We're talking about the cosmos. Mm -hmm. We're talking about interconnection. We're talking about that um, we're a piece of that. Yeah. We're a piece of that, and and it's only when we try and define it, and and you know label it and divide ourselves that we lose that 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 interconnection and we lose the idea of love, right? Yeah. That we can love, and it has nothing to do with our color. It has nothing to do with our gender. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with our species. Even we can love the trees, and and all of those things. Is it fair to say that we're talking about them being a face of God? Yeah, I think and, so. An expression of God. Yes. Right? And and then, so it's it's um, the creative force. Yeah. And it's growing. Yes. And it's evolving. Absolutely. And so do our stories have to grow and evolve so we can, so we can um, embody, that we then become the embodiment of that. Is that I think fair so. to say? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I know it's said in not necessarily a religious way, but I'm hearing what you're saying, not very different than what I would say. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so very, very nice. Can you tell us just, um, we're coming down to the last few minutes, I'd love to hear a little bit about the book that you've written, Catholic Sexual Theology and Adolescent Girls. Right, so that's when I was talking about my work coming together, the theology and the counseling, the psychology, I really wanted to understand sexuality and so especially as it pertains to adolescent girls so there's a lot in there about empirical data and what does that mean about adolescent girls and sexuality particularly in North America and so um, how does this relate to the church because I wanted to look at the teachings of the church and see whether or not they actually made sense in the context of adolescence and and have we ever thought specifically about what does sexual development mean in the context of church teachings how do those work together hmm interesting and again probably a whole other show right Possibly. I mean it's it's a fascinating topic. So I just want to let people know that the the name of the book is called Catholic Sexual Theology and Adolescent Girls, and I believe the subtitle is Embodied Flourishing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it is available through Wilfred Laurier University Press, and. Um, am I correct that you can get it from Amazon in both the ebook and the paperback yeah, edition? Yeah, the Kindle, the Kindle, and the paper. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, and I know you have also uh, you you you're doing a lot of research. Yes, <laughs> you're always involved in research. I don't know how you find the time to do all of this but I want to thank you for being on this show you have been like an amazing guest I love the position you hold thank you and so please tune in next week uh, I'll be talking to Lori Zott Rogers co-founder and teacher at Northern Star College and we're going to talk about how to release your inner genie <laughs> if you would like to contact Doris you can talk, uh, uh, email her at dkieser at ualberta.ca if you would like to contact me 
Go to katherinepotter.ca or katherinepotter at shaw.ca. Until then, remember, no matter whether you're an atheist, agnostic, spiritual, or religious, we are all human beings sharing a planet with many different species. This week, respect our differences and practice inclusivity. Have a good week and tune in next week to you, the universe, and the holistic mind. Thank you for listening this week. Please join your host, Katherine Potter, for another edition of You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind, next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.